This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to How to Citizen with Baratunde, a podcast that reimagines citizen as a verb, not a legal status. This season is all about tech and how it can bring us together instead of tearing us apart. We're bringing you the people using technology for so much more than revenue and user growth. They're using it to help us citizen. Here in the U.S., the idea of social media and democracy? Well, I'm not sure they even belong in the same sentence. Platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit, they tend to just be echo chambers with an abundant supply of the most niche groups. So you can be surrounded by your own choir. But there is a country where this isn't necessarily the case. Today, we're going to Taiwan. I repeat, Taiwan. The Taiwanese government has essentially put its entire democratic system online. And it works. Now, of course, they have some exceptional policies in place. Like they've got universal broadband as a human right, virtual town halls, and a phone line, get this, where citizens can talk to real people in the government about their problems. And if that still isn't enough for a Taiwanese citizen to have their voice heard, they can schedule a one-on-one meeting with the person at the center of all this. Every Tuesday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., the digital minister of Taiwan, Audrey Tang, holds open office hours. Her only request? You got to allow the conversation to be recorded and uploaded online in the name of radical transparency. And look, I'm not a citizen of Taiwan, but she penciled me in for some office hours of her own. 
I say this without exaggeration. Audrey's accomplishments started at birth. Due to a heart defect, as a toddler, she had to train her body to keep her heart rate down by practicing Taoist meditation techniques. As a toddler. And when it came to her education, after discovering the internet, I did drop out uh, once when I was eight, once when I was 10, once when I was 12. So anyway, yeah, I, I've had three kindergartens, six primary schools, and one year of middle high. Serial dropout, if you will. When I was a middle school student, when I was 14, I talked to the head of the school saying, look, I discovered this thing called the wild web and I found out that the cutting-edge knowledge is being created on the web and my textbooks were woefully out of date. The head of the school, after she uh, listened to me for a couple of minutes describing this new thing called the wild web, she said, okay, tomorrow you don't have to go to my school anymore. Instead of eight hours after school, you can spend 16 hours a day doing research. She started her first company at age 15. And that eventually led to her joining a community of civic hackers, technologists who innovate without permission, but in this case, not for financial gain or to prove they can break into a system, but instead for the public good. In 2016, after a series of protests in Taiwan, she was appointed Taiwan's first digital minister. Going from outsider to insider, hacker to cabinet minister. She's a believer in and advocate for open data, open governance, and civil society government collaboration. Without further ado, Audrey Tom. Hello, Audrey. Greetings. Good local time. Good local time. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us. You are the first cabinet minister I will have ever had on any show of mine. So this is very exciting for me. Here's to many more. So... It sounds like you grew up online. Is that a fair way of describing it? Choosing your education to happen this way, especially? That's right. I would say I I migrated uh, to the internet when I was 14-ish. So I'm not a digital native, but a young immigrant, if you will. (laughs) A young digital immigrant, digital migrant. So, So what has that meant for you to have such early, intense, and regular access to uh, this new world, formerly new world? At the time, I was motivated by a open research questions. Why do people who've never met each other trust each other so quickly online? It's a phenomenon called swift trust. Of course, in the more antisocial corners of social media, it also means swift distrust. People come to hate each other very intensely. Yes, we do. How does that come about? I was very much motivated by that question. So uh, I founded a startup a year after I dropped out and become a kind of serial entrepreneur and explored uh, through various ways. My first startup uh, was the Taiwanese equivalent of eBay and later on moved to uh, found many other companies and all explored uh, how to get people trust each other reasonably online instead of on the spaces where it's more antisocial. So that's been my research topic for the past 25 years, I guess. What are your conclusions right now about the answer to that question? Well, it needs to be fast, fair, and fun simultaneously. If a space is fast in getting people's ideas into collective intelligence, if the common good, the shared value, uh, is derived quickly in a fair fashion, And finally, if for each minute of participation, people feel there's an intrinsic fun in it, then the Fast Fair Fund ensures a pro-social interaction online. Fast, fair, and fun. And they all start with F, so there's like a poetry to it. Mm -hmm. I like it. The the fun part, for example, we apply to our counter-disinformation strategy in Taiwan. I call it humor over rumor. Ooh. Oh, I like that one. Um, early in your career, you were part of the formation of something known as GovZero. Mm-hmm. What was GovZero and, and why was it needed? So GovZero uh, was and still is um, this idea of forking the government. Now, fork in free software means taking something, not writing it off, but taking it to a different direction. 
with the hope, of course, that one day it's merged back in. So for all the government websites in Taiwan, something .gov.tw. Oh yeah, .gov websites. Yeah. Right. The GovZero folks just built parallel shadow government websites. So for each digital service that the people doesn't quite like, instead of protesting, they demonstrate by changing a O to a zero in the browser bar, and you get into the shadow government, which is more fast, fair, and fun. Okay, I I want to play that back and make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Everyone listening to this will understand the concept of a government website, a .gov, as you mentioned. They're not always the greatest websites that many of us have experienced. So, Gov Zero, what y'all initially were doing was building .zero websites, you know, that were mirror versions of these government websites, offering the same information and services but better, faster, fairer, and more fun. That's exactly right. So. For example, last February, uh, we were rationing out medical grade masks. We all remember the the mask rationing. Yes, that's right. And and there's there's a government website that tallies the availability of masks in each and every pharmacy. Now, the equivalent of zero website is a interactive uh, map where you can see very quickly which. Pharmacy near your residence still have some in stock, and as you queue in line, there's also chatbots, voice assistants that will ensure this fair distribution of masks, and it's of course more fun. And this entire effort, this this civic hacking effort, was all volunteer. That's right. Uh, the volunteers they number in like tens of thousands, and once people think of something that the government isn't doing very well. Instead of protesting, we just do a demonstration as a demo, like showing everyone that hey, this could be done this much better. <laughs> that's okay. That's a novel, a creative and hyper useful form of activism, mm-hmm. where you just you show them up and you do it better. I want to know how you got into politics. A big moment for you was the Sunflower Revolution, right?、Mm-hmm. Several hundred Taiwanese students are still occupying the island's parliament. They're protesting against a wide-ranging trade deal signed between the Taiwanese government and China. On March 17th, one single congressman declared, without any deliberation, within 30 seconds. Now, don't let the name "Sunflower Revolution" fool you. The path to a digital democracy wasn't easy, as is often the case. Big change takes an uprising. In March of 2014, a group of students climbed over the fence and occupied Taiwan's equivalent of the U.S. Capitol building. Now, before your mind goes there, is not what you think. They didn't have guns; they had Ethernet cables and a plan to talk. And be heard. Students,、uh, far from you know, violently、uh, protesting, they occupied the parliamentarian seat and started deliberating the CSSTA, the trade agreement, line by line,、uh, with anyone who cared to show up. Yeah, they were literally reading through parliamentary decisions line by line in hopes of finding consensus. But law enforcement, they didn't see it that way. So their solution, radical transparency. Audrey live streamed the occupation to the streets of Taipei for the public to witness, so that people can see before their own eyes on a large projection screen outside the street what's actually happening. Was the deliberation led by citizens within the parliament? So there's no room for rumor to grow. Had we not wired up the streets around the parliament, there will be chaos because people will believe in, for example, the rumors about the students within the parliament was being attacked. There's a bunch of people who want to rush the police、mm-hmm. because they falsely believe that the students were in a danger.、Uh, but because we wired it up sufficiently quickly, people can check、uh, that it's actually not what's happening. This moment was basically analog Gov Zero. Instead of a shadow website, they created a whole shadow parliament, showing the politicians in their own house how it's done, and they did this 
day in and day out, working to come up with their own rough consensus on each issue, including the trade agreement. Then, after three weeks of occupation, Parliament agreed to provide oversight for trade deals with China, and the occupation ended. But the movement didn't stop there. In fact, many leaders in government got on board. Two years later, the 2016 election ousted the ruling party and made history by electing the first female president, Tsai Ing-wen. The government realized they had to listen to the people. And who did they turn to? Audrey Tang. This led to her role as Taiwan's first digital minister at just 35 years old, opening the doors of parliament to the hackers. That's right, the civic hackers. Right? <laughs> the civic hackers, that's right. a very important acknowledgement. The good ones, yes. Yes, yes, not all hackers, civic hackers. After the break, a poetry reading by Minister Tang. Yes, poetry. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You're not just a, a minister in the parliament, you're the digital minister. What does that job mean? And was there a digital minister before you? No, I'm the first digital minister. I wrote my own job description. <laughs> can you share your, your, I think I've read some of this job description, but can you share your job description with me? Uh, sure. Uh, it's pinned on my Twitter, actually. So uh, I'll just read it. When we see the Internet of Things, let's make it an Internet of Beings. 
We see virtual reality. Let's make it a shared reality. When we see machine learning, let's make it collaborative learning. When we see user experience, let's make it about human experience. And whenever we hear that a singularity is near, let us always remember the plurality is here. That's poetry. It is. I'm a poetician, if you will. <laughs> you just call yourself a poetician. That's right. <laughs> you know, you are full of innovations and surprises, Minister. <laughs> One of the things that I've heard about and been most excited to spend our time on today is V Taiwan.、Mm-hmm. Can you define what V Taiwan is and how it's used in your society? Sure.、Uh, v Taiwan、uh, was actually the work of me as civic hacker,、uh, mm. and I became digital minister around two years after which. So during those two years, for example, we worked on a way to get people's voices, where people can write their own nuanced ideas about emerging issues. Like at the time, Uber, when Uber first came to Taiwan, they worked with drivers with no professional license, called it a sharing economy. And this, of course,、um, incited many taxi drivers to start a protest.、Mm. And instead of、uh, people just shouting at each other like a showdown. Uh, we built a space、uh, called Polis through the Taiwan Project, where people can say, "I care about insurance," and upvoted and downvoted each other, but with no reply button. And then the rough consensus, just like in the Sunflower Movement, end up getting ratified. So Uber is now a legal taxi company in Taiwan. You're describing an online community,、uh, a platform where people are sharing their opinions, their thoughts, their feedback. On public services, sometimes or private services like Uber, but you're using terms like rough consensus, and I experience a platform that lets me share my opinions about all、mm-hmm. kinds of things. It's called Twitter. It's called、mm-hmm. Facebook.、Mm-hmm. But the word consensus never comes to mind.、Mm-hmm. So, can you talk to me about how V Taiwan,、mm-hmm. in doing this surveying of the public and collecting all kinds of input, doesn't descend? Into a Twitter or Facebook-like disaster zone. Well, as I mentioned, there's no reply button. <laughs> <So> <laughs> right, no reply button. That'll do it. Okay. Yeah, that that's that's really the the trick.、Um, in Polis,、uh, which you can check out, is a free software tool.、Uh, instead of the reply button,、uh, there's upvote, downvote, and there's this visualization. Don't worry. I know this is a podcast, and you can't see the visualizations Audrey's talking about. So I'm going to help you. V Taiwan uses something called quadratic voting to build rough consensus. Think of two axes: an X that runs horizontally and a Y that runs vertically. Yeah, I'm taking you back to middle school. The X axis is your yay or nay, and the Y is how strongly you feel about your yay or nay. So let's say your town is voting on a citywide compost collection measure. On one end of your x-axis would be a yes compost. On the other end, nope, I ain't composting. But it doesn't stop there because the y-axis gauges how strongly you feel about those votes. Maybe you plan to vote no because you don't know that much about composting, but you heard it might stink up the city. You'd probably fall somewhere in the middle of the y-axis. The same could be said for someone who's voting yes. They don't know much, but they hear it's "quote unquote" good for the environment. They too would fall somewhere in the middle of the y-axis. Once again, it doesn't stop there because users can continue to submit statements on composting, and the more you participate by up or down voting those statements, the more refined your placement gets within this grid. So, composting will take the equivalent of one million cars off the road. That might lead to an upvote, or the budget will come out of the parks department. That could lead to a downvote. The point is, as users start to form opinions on composting, wherever you fall on these scales, you get placed within one of the four quadrants. And as the votes tally up, you start to see clusters of like-minded people, clusters that would be invisible to you in a purely binary yes/no world. And that's where the rough consensus begins to form. 
This moment brought to you by Edutunde. You're welcome. So it became a challenge, a game, to find the things that could convince people at the other aisle, and people managed to agree on. So after three weeks or so of online deliberation,、uh, we would end up always with this picture where people agree to disagree on a few ideological things, like whether Uber qualifies as sharing economy or just gig economy. But for most of the ideas, most people agree actually with most of their neighbors. It's just the more anti-social corner of social media or mainstream media does not report those consensus around registration, insurance, not undercutting existing meters, and so on. I've heard many social scientists say that we actually agree a lot more than we know,、mm-hmm. and it sounds like you've got a system which visualizes that. It shows us. How close we are to our neighbors,、uh, even if they're not our physical neighbors. Is it fair to say you've kind of gamified consensus building? Yes,、uh, it's fair, and I would also say that people compete to get other people to agree to them, not by posting compromises, but posting innovations, like new ideas that would unify people previously of different aisles. If people keep shouting at each other on the ideological points, then there's no remaining bandwidth to innovate like that. If the government is faced with 100 decisions, take a kind of a random easy number, legislative, policy, regulatory. For how many of them are you using v Taiwan to be open to citizen input? So the answer is 100. All the petitions, all the regulations, all the budget items are up for public commentary and debate. After I moved into the cabinet as the digital minister, V Taiwan kind of get merged back into the government, and we call it join join the G O V the T W. We also have a petition side. Like we the people, where people can post、uh, new ideas instead of waiting for the government to propose, people can propose their own ideas, like changing the time zone of Taiwan or <laughs> banning plastic straws for、uh, bubble tea、uh, takeouts, which are all real petitions.、Uh, and, <laughs> and and then、um, they get the ministerial point by point answer if they get five thousand joining signatures. And and how.、Uh... <laughs> You can sense my、um, surprise, my、mm-hmm. incredulity, even、mm-hmm. a little bit. How seriously do people who work in government take all this beautiful visualized consensus of the people who don't work in government? Is it just like, oh, that's cute? The public wants something anyway. I'm going to do what I want to do, or is there accountability to follow through on these public consensus conclusions? Well, if the petition did not get five thousand signatures, then often it gets ignored.、Uh, that's of course true because it means it more or less serves only a handful of people, and these people have not yet articulated the common purpose. So the majority of petitions did not meet five thousand threshold. But after it meets the five thousand threshold, there is regulatory level commitment from each minister that they will send a team, what we call participation officers or POs, and around a hundred of these people in each ministry, they are、uh, legally bound to answer it、uh, in a point by point fashion. And if this spans across different ministries, or could only be solved in an interagency way, then I personally、uh, host collaborative meetings twice a month to get those ideas from the civil society that benefits more than one ministry, because a single ministry cannot promise to answer them all. What type of regulation or rule or government action, more broadly? Are you most proud of or excited about that is the product of a V Taiwan process? One of the earlier、uh, successes is, of course, the、uh, ratification of Uber, and later on extending that to a more general platform economy principle. And there's also many environment-related issues like. 
banning plastic straws from take out of bubble tea. That's actually something that's ratified. And the petitioner uh, was, I think, not even 18, just turned 17 when she petitioned that. How do you make sure that a system like this isn't gamed or abused? Someone just gets a bunch of bots or a bunch of their friends to jack up the activity on a particular petition point to make sure it gets taken seriously, quote unquote? First of all, one has to register using the SMS number. If someone tried to get 5,000 SIM cards, they will get noticed by the anti-money laundering folks very quickly. So I'm not worried about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine you know those people. I do know those people. That's right. Uh, So uh, each person, of course, uh, participate using the SMS number, but they can choose pseudonyms. So the petitioner, the young one that did this plastic straw banning, we only knew her as... uh, I love elephants and elephants love me for a very long time (laughs) until she decided to show up. This is killing me. This is amazing. Um, What do you think V Taiwan has done for the relationship of the Taiwanese people to each other uh, and to their government? Yeah, uh, I I believe that this idea of social innovation, previously, uh, people think, oh, they can join this community in their neighborhood and to maybe redesign the park together or things like that. But I guess join platform show that people who care about the same thing can also get this neighborhood relationship very quickly online and act in a way that they would uh, on the physical town hall. We have this digital public infrastructure that functions the same as the town hall so that they're not forced to deliberate about important civic topics in the digital equivalent of nightclubs like Facebook. (laughs) You just call Facebook a nightclub. This is is amazing. This is amazing. Um, I don't know how many future forward-looking innovations you could put into one person, into one position, but you are you are going for some kind of medal, some kind of gold medal for maximum innovation in civics, in people-powered government. Uh, we, we got blockchain up in here now with Ethereum. We got quadratic voting. We, we, we've got uh, participatory budgeting, civic hacking. This is like the mecca of, of innovation in government services. But I also, I'm trying to understand how within Taiwan, do you have a sense for what share of the public mm-hmm. is engaged in this new digitally enabled form of self-governing? I believe most of the people are aware that they can actually set an agenda for the ministerial level decisions around pandemic prevention, especially just by picking up the phone. So a large majority of people, I would say tens of millions of people. Because uh, our entry barrier is really low. If you pick up your phone and call this toll-free number 1922 and speak your mind about how you would like our counter-epidemic effort to get better, and a sympathetic listener from the call center records that and write it up, and the next day on the 2 p.m. press conference, your idea may be implemented very quickly on this live stream because we've lowered the participation threshold and, and are the phone lines just flooded with like foul language and hate speech? I'm just trying to imagine it's deployed in the U.S. and I don't hear thoughtful rants. You know, people. I just see people screaming falsehoods into their phone all day. Yeah, and, and that's because of the frustration of not getting properly listened to, right? It's venting uh, this previous frustration. But because uh, there's more than 2 million calls last year alone, we take them very seriously, right? Last April, there was a young boy that called saying, hey, you're rationing out masks. But all I got was pink ones. And all the boys in my class got navy blue ones. I don't want to wear pink to school. I refuse to go to school. Do something about it. And then the very next day on 2 p.m. press conference, all the medical officers, including Minister Chen, wore pink. And Mr. Chen, the health minister, even said, Pink Panther was my childhood hero. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the boy became the most boy in his class for only he has the color that the heroes wear and the hero's hero, I guess, wear. And, and are you, 
the idea that I could call and leave a voicemail and know that I was heard because a pretty high-ranking government official, in fact, many, the next day in this case, are referencing my message. Do you have uh, some very widely deployed natural language processing running to make sense of all this audio? Not just I, the texting and the typing I get. It's already kind of machine readable, but just a bunch of audio files as well. How are you processing that? A very large call center. And it's not voicemail. Actually, I think more than 90% of them uh, get into a sympathetic listener. So um, it's like a it's human being, a human being professionally listening and answering <laughs> in real time. Uh, <laughs> okay, and, and, and we work on the system to support them, like frequently asked questions and so on. By the end of the day, is the people who want to contribute to the society. Many volunteers actually working in these call centers. Okay. Okay. This is, um, I, I don't know whether I'm very proud of what you're doing in Taiwan or just exceedingly disappointed at what we're not doing in the United States. The, the fact that I'm responding with such shock and awe and, and your delivery is just the calmest thing. Like, like it's natural, of course. Yeah, we just staff mm-hmm. sympathetic people on phone lines for our citizens to talk. Like, I can't even finish saying that without laughing again. Congratulations, Minister. Um, can you tell me about presidential hackathons? Sure. And I'm aware that we're in the future. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that I'm not entirely on another planet, just in a different time zone. That's yeah. right. We're time zone travelers. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the presidential hackathon. Every year, uh, the president gave uh, trophies to five teams, each one working on the sort of GovZero-like civic innovation for three months. And through quadratic voting, uh, they proved that their ideas um, has merit in a smaller region. Telemedicine, for example, using a app to motivate people instead of buying new plastic bottles, using existing bottles to get free refills from the local community uh, to reduce carbon footprint. These small scale experiments, once they receive the trophy from the president, suddenly become presidential promises. So uh, like any executive agenda must be implemented uh, within the presidential term. For example, redid uh, our entire universal healthcare system, which is pretty good to begin with, uh, to uh, allow QR code telemedicine, which is very useful, not just during the pandemic, but also for the remote islands, indigenous places, and so on. And all thanks to a um, small scale experiment by a very remote island, which suffered a helicopter crash and decided to innovate. If you've been running the hackathon for four years and there are five winners, that's 20 winning ideas. That's right. How many of those 20 have actually been implemented by the president or other parts of the government? Um, I believe 19 are implemented right now. And the other one, because it requires collaboration with the anti-money laundering people, it's a uh, machine learning algorithm to preemptively, like Minority Report, identify uh, money laundering activities that's still in the works. Are there people who are opposed to what you're doing? Within Taiwanese society, are there folks like this? We don't want this. We don't want the computers used this way. This is too much for government. Like, is there resistance to what so far sounds like a very happy, very positive, very effective experience? Well, in a sense, we are the resistance. So, um, to to answer your question directly, there are people who initially feel threatened by the Vitaiwan's use of deliberative democracy. And they are the professional representatives in the parliament or city council. They rightfully feel excluded from this crowd law agenda setting thing and kind of fear that it will create populism to take their well-deliberated uh, norms away and just pass whatever the majority of people seems happy with and destroy democracy and things like that. So it was a real fear in 2014. But then after 2016, which I became the uh, digital minister, introduced those platforms, they start to see that we're not taking over the legislative power. 
what we're doing is essentially doing additional research and development before something that's ratified. What we've done is to get people's、uh, real feelings. Which cannot all get passed through the parliament to get people with、uh, the real feelings and needs and requirements and so on to also join as co-creators to propose solutions. But at the end of the day, the allocation of budget resources, the presidential mandates and so on, these remain intact and democratically accountable. So, in design thinking terms,、uh, we take care of the define and the discovery part, the first diamond,、uh, but the development and the delivery are still in the representative democracy. We have a similar process here in the U.S. It doesn't involve as much technology.、Uh, it's a group of people called lobbyists, and they figure out what the legislators are supposed to do. It doesn't always match the will of the people on the ground, but. It's probably just some bugs in the code, and、uh, we're working it out. I'm sure we'll be as representative as Taiwan sometime in the near future. It's the great American experiment. <laughs> Now I know it doesn't sound like it, but I can confirm that we do indeed live on the same planet. When we come back, we talk about Audrey's future outlook on the Taiwanese government. And how this can hopefully be applied to the United States. From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. <clears throat> AT and T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT and T. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like. Being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Where do you see Taiwan's government in 20 years? Um, it will be higher, I guess, stronger, faster, together. Uh, <laughs> um, higher by about 60 centimeters. Um, it's a joke because Taiwan is caught between the Eurasian plate and the Philippine Sea plate on both sides. And we got a lot of earthquakes when they bumped together. But through... Oh, yeah, I was, I was yeah. like, is that a... A rising sea levels joke? Is that a, a <laughs> no? It's a rising. It's a plague tectonics joke. So okay. it's rising faster than sea levels at this moment. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, but but those earthquakes um, is metaphoric, right? We're we're caught between very different ideologies. Um, for example, the privacy and personal data protection. We've got people who strongly believe in a more surveillance capitalism uh, ideas of using data, and it's called the U.S. style, but. Um, there's also a sizable chunk who remember and believes in the authoritarian days in Taiwan, who believe uh, in a more state-controlled, state-sponsored uh, way of data use and so on. So we have to endure those ideological earthquakes and always innovate. For example, marriage equality. I think we're still the only Asian jurisdiction that implemented marriage equality. We use the joint platform, among other um, methods, uh, to get people's collaborative preferences into a new invention where when two same-sex people wed, uh, they only wed as individuals, but their families don't wed. There's no kinship relation. And this innovation uh, is felt as good enough uh, for everyone. So after 20 years, after many such innovations, uh, the top of Taiwan, the Yushan Mountain, which grows by three centimeters every year, uh, I guess we'll just keep growing and pointing skyward. Where do you see uh, the U.S. government in 20 years? Mm -hmm. I guess the great American experiment of reinventing democracy digitally uh, will will catch up. Uh, I mean, there really is no reason why people have to um, viciously attack each other online. It's not a function of the people or the water. It's the function of the space. Uh, in design terms, this is uh, an anti-social design or pro-social design. So once people get into this um, habit of posting online, I guess people will be able to make the difference between the digital equivalent of town halls, the public infrastructure that I just mentioned, which in 2016, for the first time in Taiwan's history, is classified as infrastructure budget. And I understand that the U.S. is doing something very similar uh, at this very moment. And people would not feel natural anymore to have a civic discussion in the digital nightclubs with, you know, people shouting to get heard and smoke-filled rooms with toxic drinks and private bouncers. (laughs) Toxic drinks and private bouncers. Again, the best description of Facebook I've ever heard. This idea of rough consensus, to me, it, it feels... I like it because it's ambitious with humility, right? You know, I think a lot of folks think we want everybody to agree with each other. We'll never get that, so why bother? And the good enough nature of the consensus. We're in desperate need of even rough consensus here in the U.S. Uh, We have a very big political divide. Are there things you think that our political system can learn from what you've learned in the Taiwanese political system. There was a police conversation, a virtual town hall in Bowling Green, Kentucky, a couple of years ago. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yes. And regardless of which party uh, they identify with, everyone thinks that uh, we should put the arts into science, technology, engineering, and math instead of STEM. Let's make a STEAM. That's okay. something people agree on. Uh, there should be more broadband vendor choices uh, for a better service and so on. So, uh, look, uh, I do believe that those ideologies help shape some of the debates. But there are, like the arts teachers or the broadband connections, there are things that are just, you know, infrastructure There are things that uh, in a uh, cultural or scientific uh, or educational sense, that's broadly a rough consensus. It's just that you have to ask about that specifically, and then you get those low hanging fruits. And when the mayors or the township leaders or governors adopt those ideas, it also improves their chance of getting reelected. How do you think about the, uh, the role of technology? versus the role of humans in implementing 
positive, useful, pro-social technology to help us govern ourselves better? I believe technologies are here to connect people with other people. So, which is why I call AI assistive intelligence. They play the role of my eyeglass, for example, which enable me to see you better. Uh, but my eyeglass never pops out a unclosable advertisement for 10 seconds, right? That would not be aligned to my values. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure someone is designing, ad, you know, sponsored glasses very soon. Right. And, and I can fix it myself or take it to some repair person uh, nearby. And that means that it's accountable uh, to also the person using it. It's not locking uh, in uh, my choice of vendors. And so I don't have to pay someone a million dollar license fee just to fix my eyeglass. So uh, with these important um, guarantees of um, assistiveness, which includes, of course, accountability and alignment, it means that technologies stay uh, customizable, which is why it's not perfect. It's just good enough. And how to make good enough better lies in the edges, right? In the people closest to the pain. For the people using those technologies, they must be the um, ultimate arbiter of how to modify those technologies. So uh, without that, it's not assistive intelligence anymore. It would be authoritarian intelligence. And, and I think both paths are possible. And to some degree, both paths will be pursued depending on which part of the world we're talking about. That's right. Even in the same time zone. Yes. Yes. Even in the same time zone. Um, we call this show How to Citizen. We, we interpret it as a verb, as a way of being uh, in society, as a way of being part of a collective and contributing to that, you are obviously to me someone who citizens hard mm-hmm. right? in, the, in the best possible way. If you could pass on some advice, how would you define citizen as a verb? What does it mean to do? How does it mean to be? Um, I'm reminded of my favorite quote from the singer-songwriter uh, Lena Cohen uh, from Canada, uh, who said in the uh, poem, Anthem, uh, And I quote, uh, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. And that's how the light gets in. So to citizen is to be that light. Poetician, Audrey Tang. (laughs) With the Leonard Cohen. Okay. Okay, minister. Thank you, minister. Audrey Tang, for your time. A pleasure. Is there something else I should have asked you? No, I think this is uh, pretty complete. So I'll add maybe live long and prosper. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I want to let you in on a little context for that interview. Because of Taiwan being so far away, that interview ended for me here in LA at 10 p.m. And when I tell you that I was vibrating at 10 p.m. after that conversation, literally, I had to go take a walk afterwards. I don't understand how one person can be so inspiring and also so humble I think what really moves me is the idea of being able to see, to really, to visualize how I connect with someone in an affirmative way, whether it's a friend or a complete stranger. The dopamine from that would so far outweigh a retweet in my echo chamber that is social media. This concept of rough consensus, it's really beautiful. Because nothing's perfect, right? Nothing's one size fits all. But there are overlaps. And in those overlaps, that's where we innovate, where we learn, and most of all, where we get excited to come together and use our collective power. Next week, I talk to Gen Z climate activist Jamie Margolin about where tech fits into solving climate change. Hint, it's not what I expected from a Gen Zer. I think that there is a danger in putting too much faith in innovating our way out of this. Like I feel like there also has to be some respect for the natural technologies. 
And now that I've returned to Earth from Planet Audrey, it's time for some action. First, I want you to think about your personal power. When have you felt justified pushing against an authority in your life? How did you do it? And did you achieve your goal? If not, why do you think no? And if so, were there other unintended consequences? Next, I want you to get informed about this idea of open government. It's all well and good to say that government is we the people, but what could that actually look like? One example is Audrey's work. So learn more about it at digitalminister.tw. And if you want to go deeper, read the book Open Democracy by Helene Landmore. It's about centering ordinary citizens in the democratic process. I actually saw Helene speak recently, and she reminded me of some things that our season two guest, Astra Taylor, was saying about how ancient Greeks conscripted random people into civil service. Let's regain some imagination about our power. Find Helene's book in our online bookstore at bookshop.org slash shop slash how to citizen. And search social media for the hashtag open government to find more related thinkers and doers helping us govern ourselves. Finally, practice sharing your voice on an issue you care about in a public forum, not just social media though. For example, did you know you can comment on upcoming federal regulations at regulations.gov? I'm just logging in there like dropping, what's up? All over these notices for proposed rulemaking. It's exciting. But the real action is local. So join a participatory budgeting initiative by searching online for participatory budgeting near me or put your town or state's name there. Or try attending a virtual or live city or neighborhood council meeting and offering feedback during the public comment section. Use your voice to influence a public issue. Flex that power. We've got links to all this and more at howtocitizen.com. And follow us on Instagram at howtocitizen. Tag us in your own posts about your participation. Thanks. How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast and Dustlight Productions. Our executive producers are me, Baratunde Thurston, Elizabeth Stewart, and Misha Youssef. Our senior producer is Tamika Adams. Our producer is Allie Kiltz, and our assistant producer is Sam Paulson. Stephanie Cohn is our editor, Valentino Rivera is our senior engineer, and Matthew Lai is our apprentice. Original music by Andrew Epen, with additional original music for season three from Andrew Clausen. This episode was produced and sound designed by Ali Kiltz. Special thanks to Joelle Smith from iHeartRadio and Rachel Garcia at Dustlight Productions. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, 
or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.